0: Monday morning, you sure look fine. Friday, i got traveling on my mind. First, you love me, and then you fade away. I can't go on believing this way. I Good morning, NFL fans. Welcome to another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. It's a podcast that comes out every Monday morning although you may not be listening on Monday. We had a really exciting week four of the NFL uh, this, this week. Uh, I thought it was real exciting. A lot of great games, uh, real close ones. Only one overtime game as opposed to three from last week. couple teams on buys as, we've, as we approach already the middle of the season. Seems like a little early to have buys, but two teams are on buys um, to rest up their players. But everybody else was in action, and we had some great games. And the first game we're going to start out with today is the game that just ended. We record our show Sunday nights. The Sunday night game was the New York Giants in Philadelphia taking on those Eagles. Both teams came into this game 2-2. Two two. Obviously, longtime rivals, both in the NFC East. The Eagles edging out the Giants by a score of 19 17. So I think for this discussion of this game, we'll go right to the end of the game in the fourth quarter. The first play, or maybe the last play, we should go to uh, the first play we should go to is the last play of the third quarter, uh, where it was a fourth and one, and the New York Giants had the ball around midfield. It looked like they, they might try and jump or try to get the Eagles to jump off sides. They were in shotgun formation, however and went ahead and ran a play and, and completed a pass. That was a big-time game, uh, big play going into the fourth quarter. The Giants were in the red zone, um, and then the very first play of the quarter, Eli Manning tries to throw a fade pass to his tight end, Bennett, and uh, two defenders were there. It was really a poor decision by Manning. Ends up being an interception. Uh, that was the only turnover from either team, uh, during the game, which was quite a surprise considering the Eagles' troubles taking care of the ball so far this season and uh, the, the pressure uh, both teams can put on the quarterback. Also, uh, there were very few sacks in this game. The Eagles were sacked twice, so the Giants were able to net two sacks on Michael Vick but no sacks for the Eagles on Eli Manning. But as the fourth quarter went on, the the Eagles ended up taking a 16-10 to 10 lead with 9.25 remaining, uh, where Eli Manning and the Giants took the field. And for the first time all game, the Giants took the lead 17-16 with a touchdown pass from Manning to Bear Pasco down the middle for a six-yard game, wide open in the middle of the field uh, at around the five-yard line. So with 6.45 remaining in the game, the Giants had a one-point lead where the Eagles all of a sudden... The Eagles were running the ball very, very effectively. LeSean McCoy on the day had 23 rushes, 123 yards, had a, a run, went for 34. And then a bunch of guys that really didn't know much about before this game had quite effective numbers. Stanley Havenly uh, had two rushes for 15 yards. Bryce Brown got in on the action with five yards on four carries. Michael Vick had 49 yards rushing. So overall... The Eagles had quite a day on the ground, totaling 191 yards rushing, which is quite a big deal, I would say, for Andy Reid, uh, his pass-heavy offense. Just goes to show you, I think the Eagles would be a lot more effective uh, with more balance. You hear me say this all the time on my show. Um, I know there's people out there that still disagree with me. Uh, (laughs) Alex Reamer and I had a great discussion about it on uh, his show a couple weeks ago. His show is on Wednesdays. FN Today is his podcast. But um, it was very effective in this game for the Eagles to be able to run the ball. They ended up uh, going down there, and it was a questionable uh, play call. Inside the five-yard line, the Eagles ran uh, Michael Vick, on a bootleg to the left, and he didn't end up making a throw. This was on third and goal, uh, with about a minute fifty-six remaining in the game, and he just falls down at the nine-yard around the nine-yard line. Uh, the Giants call their last timeout, about a minute fifty left in the game, plenty of time to drive down there, and, and he only needed a field goal um, because the giant the, the excuse me the Eagles were only up by two, making the making the field goal to make it nineteen to seventeen. And I think that was a very questionable play call from Andy Reid, just because you you got to know in that situation you should go for the end zone. Do you, you want to risk a turnover? No, you got three points in your pocket. But on the on the opposite side, you've seen Eli Manning do this to so many teams, drive down for that winning score. You don't want that to happen. You got to make it more difficult for him. You got to have to have him get a touchdown instead of that field goal. But Eli Manning only needed a field goal. David Wilson, the return man for the Giants, that backup running back rookie out of Boston College, had a great day returning kicks. He returns a kick uh, to the 35-yard line uh, for to start the drive for the Giants. And that drive is funny because around the league, Uh, We saw applause and standing ovations from fans celebrating the referees returning, the regular referees, ending that lockout. It was something that I was really excited about. I was really happy about because of what had happened the prior three weeks. And a lot of fans, as we will talk about on this show, were very upset today with some of the officiating. Hey, it's tough officiating these games. For the most part, these guys today got them right. But um, it's always tough. So, But I bring this up because on the last drive, it got really interesting with penalties. Um, on a fourth, fourth down play, the Giants went for it, obviously uh, having to get points with less than a minute to go. And uh, pa- pass interference is called to extend the drive. It was incomplete pass, but the penalty uh, gave the Giants a first down. Then on the next third down play, the same thing occurred. It was a pass interference. Both calls I thought were correct. You could have argued maybe the second one was a little ticky-tacky, but the first one was definitely a pass interference. Uh, this, the second one was probably leaning towards a pass interference. And then a couple plays later, uh, the Giants were just about on the edge of field goal range. No timeouts, so you you kind of are don't want to run the ball maybe, but they were around the 30-yard line. Maybe a couple Bradshaw runs gets him a little closer, make it about a 45-yard field goal. That's pretty comfortable. But um, they they decided to keep passing. They actually went for a big pass down the sideline where Giants receiver uh, pushed off and completely mauled uh, Nanami Asamoah where uh, an offensive pass interference was called. and The the crowd got kind of uh, restless, thought it was going to be another uh, defensive pass interference. But uh, it ended up being offensive, and that pushed the Giants back to that 35-yard line. Um, they ran one more play; was incomplete. It was third down with no timeouts, 15 seconds left on the clock. The Giants had to kick that field goal because if they complete a pass in in they can't spike it because it would have been, would have been fourth down. It was fourth. It was third and long, so they couldn't even really pick up a first down. Um, but the problem was the, it, the attempt was going to be a 54-yard field goal because of losing that those yards on that uh, penalty. So Tynes comes in, kicks it wide left, but uh, sure enough, Andy Reid had called a timeout to try and ice him, so he gets another shot, which I just can't believe that coaches still try this uh, tactic where it just seems to backfire all the time. Um, and then the, the the second kick looked like it was going to be good. It was just a couple yards short. It was dead center but fell just short and sure enough that offensive pass interference down the field really cost the Giants tonight. Uh cost them uh, a W. And you know, uh I think for the referees this um it was it's great to have the regulars back, but um there's a couple games that i even watched today just the, uh, from what i saw where the referees definitely had an effect in the game and that was definitely tonight at, on that last drive this this was a huge game um for the NFC east and the NFC in general the eagles now are 3 and 1 uh they, they uh are winning sloppily to be honest uh, they they really haven't looked good um all their wins well, two of their wins are by one point. This one was two points, um, and they you know, got pretty much completely killed by Arizona. But but Arizona's not a bad team really to get killed by this year. Arizona's been really impressive. So I, I still don't really know where the Eagles, to be honest, where the Eagles are, but I think they're going to get better as the season goes. They always do under Andy Reid. So this is a team that I think is going to win that NFC East, um, at, at least it looks like it. As of right now, the New York Giants, they look good. They played real tough. Um, they played well. But I think the biggest thing that hurts them right now are both their losses are inside the NFC East once to Dallas at home and now to Philly, even though that was on the road. So they got to pick it up in the division. The best they can do now is 4-2, and two, and they have to go into Dallas and win there, sweep the Redskins, which they did not do last year. Actually lost to the Redskins both times. Um, and then beat Philadelphia. So a tough road ahead for the Giants. Uh, I I'd still think they're going to be in there in the playoff contention until the end. But the Eagles, with that running game, use LaShawn McCoy. He's one of the best players in the NFL. Use him, Andy Reid, and uh, good things will happen. The Eagles, of course, next week uh, are in that Keystone State battle as they travel out to Pittsburgh. That's going to be a, a good game to watch next week. And the Giants will be hosts to Cleveland. So moving on to some games from earlier on during the day. Um, first game I watched, the 1 o'clock game. I got the pleasure of watching the San Francisco 49er defense. If you uh, saw any of my tweets from the day, I I just really enjoy watching San Francisco play. Although I don't like their head coach very much. I think he's obnoxious. Um, that is Jim Harbaugh. I, I think he's an excellent coach. I wouldn't knock anything from his coaching ability. He's an excellent coach. I just am not the hugest fan of him. Um, he knows how to coach a team, and I love the way San Francisco plays. They, they play smash-mouth, old-school type of way, uh, a flashback to the 1980s or even the 70s, and it's just so difficult to beat them. We, know, we, we saw Minnesota beat them uh, in the Metrodome last week. You knew that San Francisco, even though they were on the road, even though they were on the East Coast, all that stuff coming from out West, even though they actually didn't go back home, they went from Minnesota to New Jersey to play this game. Um, You knew that San Francisco was going to come out and be angry in this game. Sure enough, they did. They gave a smackdown to the Jets, 34-0. Not much really to say about the 49ers other than they just took care of business. Uh, That defense forced four turnovers, um, they're just such ball hawks out there. Uh, two, uh, excuse me, one interception um, on a screen pass that really shouldn't have happened. Mark Sanchez, bad decision, but, you know, it, the defense just made a great play as well. Uh, and the the 49ers found another offensive weapon in Colin Kaepernick out of uh, the, the quarterback option. He looked like Tim Tebow. To be honest, this is the stuff that you had come to expect from Tim Tebow we were getting from the other side of the 49ers in Kaepernick. He was all over the place making nice pitches, and the Jets really couldn't handle him, which is surprising as the Jets' defense gets to practice against Tebow on that option. So for for the 49ers, you know, maybe, maybe we have a common theme here. 49ers able to establish the run, 245 net rushing yards against a really good, I think, a really good run defense in the Jets. And they just ran all over them, completely gashed them, and that defense is so suffocating. This wasn't a a contest, but going over to the Jets, now Mark Sanchez, it's his third uh, third game in a row where he had a completion percentage under 50%, threw an interception, no touchdowns. I hate to bring this up, but Everyone else is going to. Uh, is it time to have Tim, Tim Tebow back under center um, more often or permanently? And we'll bring that up in our fourth and long segment um, in more detail. But it's something to think about, at least something to um, spark the team uh, as Tim Tebow did last year with the Broncos. Just give them a spark, give them something on offense to 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 build upon because that defense for the Jets – did well in the second half to keep it close but in the th- in, in the first half they did well but in the second half they they completely got tired they got gashed for big runs and they because they're on the field all the time 36 almost 37 minutes of time of possession for the 49ers that's going to hurt your defense um and the Jets offense really to be honest because they couldn't move the ball hurt their their other side of the ball both are connected so Something to think about. We'll bring it up again later in the show. And the 4 o'clock game that I ended up watching on Sunday. Before the season, you thought maybe this was a, a preview of the NFC Championship, perhaps, uh, with New Orleans and Green Bay. Little did we know, after three weeks, these two teams would com- be combined for one win, and it's possible if the Saints won, that both these teams would be 1-3. Who would have thought? Uh, the refs, once again, played a huge part in this game uh, with with them making a couple questionable calls, in my opinion, that went against Green Bay. Uh, and again, the Packer fans gave a standing ovation to those refs uh, before the game. During the game, they weren't too happy. <laughs> but um, the Packers ended up winning the game anyway uh, with New Orleans struggling. Um... Once again, they looked better in this game. The, the, the offense clicked, especially in the second half. They looked a lot better. Um, the, there was a, the, the play I'm specifically referencing late in the fourth quarter. Darren Sproles appeared to fumble the ball on a kickoff return. And um, the Packers seemed to have recovered it, but uh, they ruled that it was, that he was down by contact. So the Saints ended up keeping the ball, drove down to kick a field goal, That field goal was good, but then called back on a holding penalty. So a 38-yard field goal turned into a 48-yard field goal, and Garrett Hartley ended up missing it. So again, the refs playing a huge part calling that holding penalty. Um, Early on in the third quarter, I thought it was really big play that the Packers' defense came up big. Um, On fourth down, a penalty gave the Saints a first down and was first and goal. Um, at the one or two yard line, Packers ended up stalling them, and then they had to kick, uh, have another field goal attempt. Only took three, and the Packers ended up winning this game, twenty-eight twenty-seven. So that field goal attempt that they missed and in, in, late in the game obviously was a big, a big play, and um, being held uh, in that specific time to a field goal instead of a touchdown was it was huge as well. Big days from the quarterbacks, Drew Brees. 446 yards, three touchdowns. He ties Johnny Unitas' record for most consecutive games with a touchdown pass thrown. He has a chance to break that record on Sunday Night Football next week against the Chargers. And for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, 319 yards, four touchdowns. Did throw one pick, but um, he was able to get Green Bay uh, to back into the win column, bounce back from that horrible call last week that we ended up not being able to talk about on this show. We never get to talk about Monday Night Football uh, because our show is on Monday, but um, as everybody knows out there, that was just a horrible call. And Gotta give credit to Mike McCarthy. Keeps his players focused on the problem at hand. Uh, Hopefully, for Green Bay's sake, they don't miss the playoffs by one game. I think that would be a horrible uh, injustice to them. But you know, it happened. Get over it. Move on. That's what the Packers got to think. It's tough, but that's what you got to do. Uh, and you know what? To be honest, the Saints got to do that too with the bounty thing. The Saints uh, haven't had much luck doing that. Uh, the Packers have much better, uh, much doing a much better job of keeping a focus on the season and the games up ahead. Packers now are two and two, back to 500. New Orleans falling to 0-4. We'll be talking about them also in our fourth and long segment. So those were the highlights from the games that I ended up watching on Sunday. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with a lot more great news. Hey, hey. Welcome back to our Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host Dave Holcomb. If you'd like to be uh, interact with us on our show, or interact with me, I guess I shouldn't say us. No one else uh, helps me with the show. But um, if you'd like to, you know, give shout out uh, to me or leave me a comment, you can always leave it on uh, the the article on Football Nation. But um, I'd love to get an email from you at d m h o l. C-O-M-B-0-6 at gmail.com. You can tweet at me as well at D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. And you can also get more Football Nation news and the articles that I write on Facebook at Dave's Football News. Real quickly, we're going to do a little recap of the Thursday night game. uh, uh, Matchup between AFC North foes, Cleveland going into Baltimore. Of course, Baltimore used to be the Browns, but the Browns playing the Ravens. And the Ravens ended up only edging out the Browns by a touchdown, twenty-three to sixteen, and we saw this was the first game the regular referees had returned, and we saw the exact same ending that we saw that the replacement referees their last play, um in Seattle with the Packers, the Hail Mary to the bottom part of the end zone, at least the bottom part on the television screen. And uh, Brandon Whedon <laughs> was a little anticlimactic as Brandon Whedon threw the ball out of the end zone. Uh, my biggest thing in this game, yeah, Baltimore's 3-1. They took care of business. They um, they they seem to be one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, definitely, I, I think, the leader in that AFC North um, and Joe Flacco has had a great start. And, hey, I, I think this kid, Torrey Smith, uh, he played with a lot of emotion last Sunday night. You kind of expected him to have a huge game because of his brother. You, I, you just had a feeling that was going to happen. And although maybe he's still playing on emotion, I don't think he probably had as much adrenaline as he did, at least on Sunday, the day of his brother's death. He had another touchdown pass in this game, almost 100 yards with 97 I know Anquan Bolden was the top targeted guy, nine catches, 131 yards in this game. But Torrey Smith, I think, is going to be that number one guy for the Ravens in the passing game by the end of the season. They have quite a few guys uh, that can really move the ball through the air with Bolden, Smith, Rice. Don't forget, he's a great pass catcher. they got Jacoby Jones now, too, so this is an offense that can really move the ball through the the air uh, with Joe Flacco now. And, you know, I I really think there are some positives the Browns can take out of this. Uh, Trent Richardson is looking good. Yeah, he didn't run all that well, but the Ravens' um, rush defense is one of the best uh, historically in the league. But I would have liked to have seen them run the ball more, even though they're playing Baltimore. Do you really want a rookie quarterback, Brandon Whedon, to throw 52 times 52 times, and it was in the rain nonetheless. It was raining. Hand the ball off to Trent Richardson. You're, I mean, he's another rookie, but hey, take some pressure off this kid. I, I know he's not a kid. He's 28 years old. Jeez. But 52 times, you know, I'm old school, whatever. You can say whatever you want, but that's too much for me. Uh, he didn't have a, an awful game, but he, he did have less than 50% completion, through an interception, no touchdowns. Uh, he's looking better. I mean, you can't really get much worse than he looked week one. Um, but I just think you can't have him throw 52 times and expect to win a game. But overall, what I think the Browns can take away from this, they're playing teams hard. They're playing their hearts out. And, and management should look at that and say, all right, we're not very good right now. Were the, were the young, one of the youngest teams in the league. I think they might be the youngest team in the league, and they're playing hard for Pat Shermer. And they should keep that in mind when they decide whether or not to chop uh, Shermer at the end of the season. They're playing hard for him. They they barely lost to Philadelphia. You know this game came down to the wire. They're gonna eventually win a game. May they're gonna eventually win a couple games. I think. Um, and yeah, would have, should have, could have, would have, whatever almost doesn't count in football. I get I get it. I get it. But it's this is a lot better than getting blown out in games. They're they're in games, they're playing tough, and when you play teams tough like this, the you know, players are motivated in practice to get better and better and and if the Browns show improvement, which I think they will at the end of the season, then they're headed in the right direction. The record doesn't say that right now, but they're heading in the right direction and and so are the Ravens. I think they're gonna go deep in the playoffs once again. At least after a quarter of the season, it looks that way. So moving on to some of the other highlights around the league: St. Louis defeating Seattle, uh, Seattle going into the dome there, St. Louis winning 19 to 13. Maybe the Seahawks had a little um, were a little sleepy after their big win on Monday night. Atlanta huge win for them they stay undefeated defeat carolina 30 to 28 we'll get to that game uh during our fourth and long segment minnesota minnesota with a surprise win over detroit that was a horrible minnesota accent but they win 20 to 13 detroit looks like they're back where they were a couple years ago the bottom of the division but they are they're one and three but hey i i i think they're they can still make some noise, but Minnesota right now on top of the <laughs> NFC North at 3-1. and one. San Diego also 3-1. and one. They defeat Kansas City 37-20. This was a game that a lot of experts thought Kansas City would bounce back with at home. Big comeback win last week. Phillip Rivers had none of that. San Diego on top of the AFC West. Houston remains undefeated. First time in franchise history, they're 4-0. They defeat Tennessee 38-14, although Chris Johnson broke out of his shell and rushed for 100 yards. Much of that was in garbage time, and uh, Tennessee not looking so good so far this year. New England was trailing at one point 21-7, but ends up winning 52-28 in Buffalo. They really went off in the second half. Two rushers for New England were over 100 yards. That's a rarity but the Patriots have a blowout win over Buffalo. Cincinnati moves to 3-1, defeats Jacksonville 27-10. Denver and Peyton Manning have a huge game at home, 37-6 over Oakland. And Arizona also remains undefeated, defeating Miami in overtime 24-21. Brian Hartline had a huge game receiving from Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins, but ultimately it was Kevin Cobb pulling out the victory in overtime. Washington and Tampa Bay had a game go down to the wire RG3. First game-winning drive of his career. They kicked the field goal with seconds remaining to win that game. Of course, the biggest news in sports was not football-related at all. The Pittsburgh Pirates had a lead going into the top of the ninth inning. Joel Hanoran, the hammer was on the mound, and he blew a 3-2 lead, giving up two runs to the reds and cincinnati defeats pittsburgh 4 to 3 why is this significant the pittsburgh pirates have clinched their 20th straight losing season a north american sports record yes that's right 20 straight losing seasons what a, a season that was so promising at one point 16 games above 500 the best the pirates can now do would be to finish 80-82, and and that is if they win the next three games, the last three remaining in the season. Uh, They've come a long way, but once again, the Pirates will not have a winning season, and they will not finish 500. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the fourth and long segment. We're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We are moving into our fourth and long segment. I'm going to say a statement and then either agree with it and grunt, go for it on fourth down, or I'm going to disagree and punt on fourth and long. Our first statement, we're going to go to an article written by Doug Powell, uh, Carolina Panthers vs. Atlanta Falcons, hero and zero of the game. This is a series that comes out, Every week on every game, so Doug got to do the Carolina Atlanta game this week, and i'm you know I recommend you read his article and see who he thought the hero and zero of the games of the game was but um I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. his zero was not Cam Newton, but I'm going to stir a little controversy and with my first statement say cam Newton was the zero of the game, with his fumble inside of two minutes and did not let Carolina get a first down. Now, if you missed the, the play, on a third and one, Carolina was rushing Cam up the middle. He ended up reaching for the first down but fumbled the ball before he passed the line. Carolina recovered but did not recover for the first down, and they were, had to punt. Atlanta drove down for the game winning field goal to win 30 to 28. So was cam or should cam be considered the zero of the game? No <laughs> I am punting. Uh, it's my own controversial statement that I don't agree with that's funny but um, but no I, I, I we saw Newton um, mad at himself on the sideline but ultimately you know a played a game doesn't come down to one play. It's a real shame for Carolina that uh, it, it looked like they were going to get that first down and wrap up the game, um, but to no avail. And, you know, Matty Ice and the Falcons drive down there for that game-winning score. And uh, I, I think it really says a lot about the Falcons, even though they were home, um, that they were able to pull this one out because of that play and, and then able to come overcome some um Adversity because the, the Panthers really play well today. This I did not watch this game, but the Panthers appeared to really play very well. Uh, and, and Atlanta beat Carolina. Um, it's a tough loss, tough, tough loss for Carolina, who's now 1-3. But Atlanta, well on their way in the NFC South at 4-0 now. Our next two statements are going to come from the New York Jets, our favorite team to talk to uh, or talk about. Everybody loves talking about the Jets and that first one is going to be the obvious one should Tim Tebow see more action under center I'm going to agree and grunt you know the statement doesn't say should he start at quarterback I don't think he should I think he should see more time under center and see where it goes Mark Sanchez isn't getting it done and um, I think as Jets personnel Rex Ryan whoever they got to say why did we bring in this guy now, why did we trade for him for him to sit on the bench for him to be a blocker or a decoy? No, he is supposed to compete for that job if Sanchez falters or he's got to provide for this football team. This football team it's two and two. It's not panic time. Yeah, they got beat real bad, so what it's they're two and two. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, obviously, the Patriots are two and two. they haven't played the Patriots. Um, at all yet, they've won both their division games, which is huge. So this th- there's no time to panic for the Jets. I, I think Tim Te- worked worked Tim Tebow in more, get more options going. Uh, let Tebow throw a little bit. They, he threw one pass, completed it for a first down, and fooled everybody. And that tight end who caught it fumbled, um, but that's not Tebow's fault. That's not um, you know. Then they went away from him and didn't really bring him back. So I I think. Tebow's got to provide a spark for this offense. Like I said, this offense has to be on the field a little longer, so that defense isn't so tired. So I, I think uh, it would it would be beneficial to see Tebow in more in more more involved. And this other statement is going to be from an article written by Don Carter. Real interesting uh, argument here. Uh, the title of it: Darrell Revis injury may save Rex Ryan's job. Now, uh, we. Uh, I guess you could argue whether Rex Ryan is on the hot seat or not. I think he's on the hot seat. I think Mark Sanchez is certainly on the hot seat. Me, personally, I think if if the Jets have less than eight wins, definitely less than seven wins, if they have a six or, or less win season, I think Rex Ryan should be fired, whether Revis uh, is playing or not. So I guess I'm going to to punt this one away. I I, I think... You know, I think Rex would be the first person to say no excuse for who's injured and who's not. The Jets, I think a lot of people would say, didn't have much of a playoff shot even with Revis. So now without him, I mean, I, I don't think this is a playoff team. I was just saying that they shouldn't panic, and I don't think they should. They're 2-2. Two and 2-2 two. Two and two is not bad. Uh, but ultimately, I don't see this team going places this year. And whether Ryan gets another season or not next year, I don't know. I think it depends on how the season finishes up. But through this off season, the Jets have been a circus. I think the Jets should do their best to reestablish some stability, um, less media hype, and just worry about winning games. If that means getting rid of Rex Ryan, if that means getting rid of Tebow, if that means getting rid of Sanchez, I don't know. But whatever is best for the team to concentrate on just winning uh would would be the the wise choice so i'm going to punt this away i don't think revis's injury by any means is, is going to save rex ryan's job so we're going to take one more quick break we'll have another song from led zeppelin the best rock and roll song of all time and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show there's a lady who sure. short all it glitters is gold and she's buying the stairway to hear When she gets there she knows if the stores are all closed with a word she can get what she can. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. One more time, you can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. Tweet at me, dmholcomb, and follow my news and other news from Football Nation on Facebook at Dave's Football News. I'd love to hear your comments or suggestions for our show, so please email me or tweet at me. A couple other good articles on the website by Ron Leach, an interesting one from uh, about a week and a half ago. Green Bay Packers' Jermichael Finley's agent bashes Aaron Rodgers, calls him not a leader, and uh, says certain things like that. That's real interesting, a little controversial. I hadn't heard about it until uh, reading this article by Ron, so that that was a real interesting read. And another one, like I mentioned before on the show, Drew Brees, a, this, this article is by Timothy Kraus. Drew Breeze, a game shy of catching legend. Uh, he's a, he tied John Unitas today for most consecutive games with a touchdown pass, and he has a chance to break that record next Sunday night against the Chargers. I, I, I think he will break it. it it's very unlikely um, just because how good Breeze is. He'll be in front of the home crowd. It's a night game. The way they went after that record last year on Sunday night, I'm assuming that they're going to try and get this record pretty badly. They seem to care about records. Although the Saints right now should really care about getting a W. Um, But anyway, that's all we have for today's show. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. Hoping to bring a guest on next week for Week 5. That's all we have for today. I'm going to go find some peace in my mind. It's true.